Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. Barb's Precious Rescue, a great organization celebrating their 10th year. It's about time we talk with Barb, and we will. And to learn more also about that mysterious dog respiratory illness that had been going around, is it still going around? One of the researchers will be here, Dr. Michael Lappin, and he will explain everything we know. He is America's sexiest veterinarian. Dr. Jan Bellows is here uh, to talk about veterinary dentistry because February is Pet Dental Health Month. Are you celebrating, Dr. Bellows? We celebrate Pet Dental Month every single day, 365 days a year, as should everybody else. Well, you know, the thing I like about the fact that February, and it's known by even my dentist, my human dentist knew this, you know, I mean, word has gotten out there. So that's the good thing that there's now awareness, which we'll talk about why it's so important, the care of your dog or your cat's dental health. However, it doesn't mean that in August, it isn't an important issue as well. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's focusing on February is great. And the reason why that came about uh, about 30 years ago was uh, one of the uh, pet food companies put out a fabulous pet dental diet that helps to decrease plaque and tartar on the teeth. And they figured to help promote it, they would create a month in the middle of the winter where veterinarians could um, go to their uh, clients could go to their veterinarian and get a free bag of uh, dog food that would help in the dentistry department. And from there, the AVMA adopted, everybody adopted February as Pet Dental Month. But as we know, you're right, in August, if the pet has bad smelling breath, dog or cat, they really need to back up and try to figure out what did what could I have done to prevent all this periodontal disease? And it's actually very easy. All right. We'll talk about what you can do to prevent, but let's back up a step or two or three and talk about why it's so important in the first place. And what I say to people is imagine how your significant other might feel if you went a week or a month or three or four years without brushing your teeth and had or flossing your teeth and essentially had zero dental care. Uh, and what you would feel if that were the case. Is that a good analogy? That is a fabulous analogy. And in most dental schools around the country, they ask the first-year dental students not to brush their teeth for a week. And that way they can really feel the gingivitis, the gum swelling, the gum bleeding, their significant other not paying any attention to them, and horrible breath. And it's the exact same thing in dogs and cats. Just because they're a dog and cat, they have the same teeth, the same, you know, a little different anatomy, but the same gums that come right against the tooth and the same periodontal disease that people have. Except there's one difference is that if it hurts, we say so. And dogs, and I would argue especially cats, are so good at masking pain. So I don't know that we comprehend how much it can hurt when we don't take care of our dog's or cat's teeth. Oh, absolutely. And it's progressive. It starts 
just with gingivitis, a little inflammation, if that's taken care of, you go to the veterinarian, teeth are cleaned, and the gingivitis goes away and there's no bone loss. But then once you have periodontal disease, it's progressive and the teeth eventually become loose and the poor animal is eating on wobbly teeth. And all this is preventable. Why is it that it seems to me anecdotally, the cats and small dogs in particular have more issues. Is that, is that correct or not necessarily? Cats have a different issue. The cat's big issue is tooth resorption. Half of all cats, that's a lot of cats, over three years old will have one, at least one tooth resorption in their mouth, which is painful. That's, that's millions and millions of cats. Where dogs... 80% of them will have a degree of periodontal disease and cats a little bit less periodontal disease. But in dogs, the smaller the dog, the worse the problem. And that's the, the reason is because the teeth are closer together as compared to a German Shepherd or a Labrador. But the smaller dogs and the ones that have the pushed in face. I mean, Steve, I was amazed that this year, French Bulldogs have taken over the... Um, leading you know dog it, it used to be uh labradors and now it's little frenchies and the problem is the breeders push the faces too close together uh so the nose is almost at the ears and there's not enough room for 42 teeth so the teeth are too close together the smaller dogs live longer and they tend to uh, eat softer food and that promotes periodontal disease uh, that's interesting because we know about or we might know about obstructive airway issues with those dogs that have difficulty breathing, particularly in hot weather. The so-called brachiocephalic breeds that have those limited airways, it looks like they walked into a wall, right? <laughs> and and it's not only French bulldogs, there are, there are a variety of other breeds as well, including, uh, I don't know, bulldogs, shih tzus. I mean, the list goes on and on of these dogs. Uh, Griffons, uh, the anything that, ha- and even in cats, the Persian cats. Yeah, that's right. So cats I never breathe. thought of. I mean, we know about the difficulty breathing, but I never thought about more likely to have dental issues. Yes, very prone. And another problem that they have is that the teeth are so crowded that a lot of teeth just don't come up, and they're caught below the gum lines. Hmm. So you can imagine if you're chewing on teeth below your gum lines, it can be painful. So okay. Highly recommend. Uh, getting together with a veterinarian that um, is very much into dentistry if you have one of those dogs or if you have any dogs. So you mentioned tooth resorption in cats. Does that Mm -hmm. mean that the teeth just disappear? I'm not sure what that means. In time, it does. It starts with a little cavitation. It's not a cavity. It's not the same as in people, but it's a cavitation that starts at the gum line and it goes deeper. It's progressive. It goes deeper until it hits the nerve and it's so painful for these cats, even under anesthesia, to take out the tooth, they tend to chatter. Until what? You give them. Yeah, it is. Tooth resorption is a major problem. We still don't know what causes it. We have no idea how to prevent it, other than half the cats walking around have tooth resorption. We have no idea how to prevent that, but there is a way to determine, as I understand, uh, to predict that it might happen to your cat? Yes, absolutely. There's a DNA test uh, put out by Basepaws that you can just take a swab, send it to the laboratory, and they will 
give you a very accurate prediction on whether your cat has a high, medium, or low prevalence for tooth resorption. And the ones that have high prevalence, the ones that come into our office with that uh, sheet, they always have the tooth resorption. I think so, I think that's, that's basepaws.com if I'm not if I'm recalling correctly. Now, here's what I want and that's an amazing thing. I know you're a big fan of that. Uh, here we are going to take a break and then we're going to come back and we will shock people by what I mean, I didn't say this at the onset, but I really should have. You are a dean of, is it safe to say, veterinary dentist? You have authored or co-authored books for veterinarians, multiple books on the topic of veterinary dentistry. I mean, you are the guy, and yet we are about to shock people when we come back. How will Dr. Jan Bellows shock us? We'll find out on WGN. Dr. Jan Bellows, who I refer to as a dean of veterinary dentistry. He is just that, as well-respected as a veterinary dentist, which is a specialty in veterinary medicine can be. And you would expect that this well-respected, highly-touted book author of multiple books would say this, brush your pet's teeth every day, twice a day, do it religiously. But I've heard you speak before, and you and I are friends, and I know that that's not exactly what you say. No, it's, it's not exactly what I say at all. Because why recommend something that no one, virtually no one can figure out how to do? There has to be some other way to help prevent plaque and tartar. And this can be done fairly religiously with using a dental wipe that you can get from your veterinarian or you can go to the pet store. It doesn't really matter so much what's in the wipe. It's the physical rubbing. But there are also some great water additives that help to decrease the plaque attachment to the tooth. And there's dental chews out there. There are dental diets. There's a special dental toothpaste. All right. There hang on a second here, because I want to kind of go through those one by one. So sure. let, let's talk about the additives to water. Right? I guess that I'm guessing that notion came about because now there are all these mouthwashes, you know, that have all these things in it for us uh, that, I don't know, my dentist says helps. What do I know? I So I buy it and I'm assuming it helps. Uh, but I can use a mouthwash. Dogs and cats can't do that. No, they they can't spit. So, like you, <laughs> they can drool, no, I, however, but that's another story. And the really two most effective products in humans are something called chlorhexidine, which you have to swish around your mouth for two minutes to be effective. And dogs aren't going to do that. Uh, and also Listerine, and there's no way dogs or cats are going to come close to that. So, what they have formulated uh, are dental additives that you put in the water and the whole concept is you don't want plaque to stick to the teeth because if plaque sticks to the tooth and stays there without brushing or wiping then calcium and phosphorus from the saliva mineralizes the plaque and you have tartar and tartar is rough which attracts more plaque and then more tartar more plaque and more tartar causing inflammation of the gums causing swelling, causing bleeding, 
and then worse, causes periodontal disease, which is the attachment of the tooth to the gums. And then the teeth become loose and um, they, they can't be saved. So if you can start preventing as early as possible or right after the teeth are cleaned by the veterinarian with a water additive, that is helpful. Absolutely. I, I get that. And, you know, I kind of failed uh, to bring up something. We talked about the pain that dogs and sometimes cats are in. In fact, years ago, I said that the notion of finicky cats might have first come about from cats that aren't eating because it hurts when they eat. Uh, I, I think that, and we we did mention this, that it's understated and it's not talked about enough how painful uh, dental disease, just in general, is in cats and and also in dogs. And dogs well, will I, just absolutely. dogs will sometimes just eat right through it, right? Right. And cats, in fact, they found out the leading reason why lions were dying out in the uh, wherever lions <laughs> roam around okay. um, was because of dental pain due to dental abscesses from eating other animals, their bones. So they would break the teeth, bacteria would go in there, they would get weak, and they would die or or get eaten. So the the other go-home point is, you could talk about things that prevent that actually work, but whatever your client uses has to be safe. And so many people feed their dogs antlers, which are horrible. If you're feeding your dog an antler, throw it out right now. Bones, hard nylon products, throw them all out because they break teeth. Dogs love them, but they break teeth, which it really isn't fair. So you know what? You've, you've, you taught me something several years ago. So I came to one of your talks. You said what you just said. And I think your line was, if it doesn't bend, don't buy it for your dog. And that it's a mistaken notion, even by some veterinarians, that uh, chewing on like antlers gets tartar off the teeth for one thing. And for another thing, as you just said, it can break teeth and cause all sorts of other issues and even obstructions potentially. Uh, so yes. I now use the line and tell me if it's right. If it doesn't bend, if you can't bend it, then don't buy it for your dog. Well, that used to be. <laughs> but now there's a, a product that came out that is uh, approved by the Veterinary Oral Health Council called Yummy Combs. And that doesn't bend, but it dissolves right after the dog chews on it and decreases plaque and tartar. And it's one of these products, there are very few that have been actually researched and published that actually can take a dirty mouth and decrease the plaque and tartar of it as compared to preventing the tartar accumulation. All right. So, and, so that, so that you've, product does, that product does not bend. Okay, you've taught me something. So tell me the name of this product and where people can get it. It's called Yummy Combs. Uh, and they can get it at virtually any pet store. And uh, the, they can get it through their veterinarian also. All right. So we have literally two minutes here. I think that I, I want to make this point that you, unless you have an x-ray or machine in your kitchen, you don't necessarily know what's going on in your pet's mouth. Your veterinarian can, and that's one reason, and there are so many others, that no matter how old your dog or cat is, twice a year veterinary visits are so incredibly important. 
Yes, and also make sure that when your animal's teeth are professionally cleaned under general anesthesia, which is safe, to make sure the veterinarian takes full mouth x-rays. And people, full mouth x-rays are mandated at least every two years. And if animals are one year to seven at the beginning, actually, that has changed, Steve. Now it's one year is 21 years, the first year, and after that, it's five years each. But at least you could imagine not having your teeth x-rayed for five years. Make sure your veterinarian x-rays all teeth every time. Excellent. Well, I hope you celebrate as well, uh, Dr. Jan Bellows, Pet Dental Health Month. We celebrate by having the opportunity to speak with a leading veterinary dentist. Oh, very quickly, you mentioned the Veterinary Oral Health Council. Can you tell us in very little time what that is and what the website is? So the website is vohc.org, vohc.org. This is an organization very similar to the ADA seal that's on your Colgate um, box. If the product has the VOHC seal, it means that it decreases plaque it by at least 20%, decreases tartar by at least 20%, and so importantly, is safe. And it's not so, just marketing. It is scientists no. looking at this to say, this really does work. Dr. Bellows, It is always good work to talk with you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I'm very excited about this. The Every Cat Health Foundation is, uh, in conjunction with North Carolina State University and their Feline Health Center, they are uh, holding a symposium in April, or I should say we are, because I'm helping to organize this. Uh, We've done this every couple of years. We we did one on FIP. uh, Then we did another on feline infectious peritonitis and a variety of other topics. Uh, this time around, it's about pain in cats. And it greatly is for veterinary professionals, but I will tell you, it's for all of you as well. If you're just a cat lover, you can attend. And if you're thinking or saying, well, I live in Northbrook, or I live in Berwyn, or I, I live on the north side of Chicago, why would I go to North Carolina? How could I go to North Carolina State? Well, you don't have to. You can go virtually as well. Uh, the information is found on the website, Every Cat. Org, or next week, we'll talk about it all with Dr. Tammy Grubb. Dr. Michael Lappin is a professor at Colorado State University. If you happen to be at a veterinary conference like we are at the moment, he will be speaking probably at that veterinary conference anywhere in the world and was involved, incredibly involved. How did you get involved with the respiratory infectious, whatever it was that was going on in dogs in Chicago, by the way, as well as other places in the country? Yeah, you know, Steve, I'm an infectious disease interested person there at Colorado State, and I was working with two of the veterinary vaccine manufacturers to do some of their monitoring. So we were already set up to do testing on larger numbers of dogs or something was going haywire, which is exactly what happened. We just were seeing dogs coughing longer than normal with these infectious things and getting sicker, and sicker than sicker, the, yeah. it seemed Some. certainly more of them developing pneumonia than we'd ever seen in a three-month period in the last couple of years so it was real but we got involved because i was already doing the testing uh, yeah. as a monitoring program for the vaccine companies so here's my question in new hampshire yes but vermont I don't know what the next state over is. I'm making this up. But because my geography is not as good as it should be, I guess. But maybe the next state over, not so much. And then the next state, a lot. And then the next state, a lot. It was sporadic. 
but yet in a lot of places in America as well as Canada. Absolutely. And that's been one of the kind of the hints that we've been looking at, you know, as you're doing your detective novel to sort it out. You know, if you thought it was a brand new virus that mutated, it's really pathogenic, then they usually then spread like wildfire from the point zero source. Because the dog would have little protection against a novel virus. And the next dog, and it might transfer over. And we saw that with H3N2, one of the influenza viruses, shows up in the Chicago airport, and the next thing you know, you guys have a huge outbreak all the way down to Atlanta. But that's not what this one's doing. Right now, we have more states not seeing increased numbers of cases than states seeing increased numbers. So at its worst, a little different. So this went. The other thing that is a misconception, if you read the the a, a lot of the reports in the press, is that this has actually been going on a while, hasn't it? Yeah, we definitely saw an uptick early in the summer. And then uh, for Colorado, we kind of peaked. We saw the most cases in August, September. Um, October was still pretty busy. And then we were all ready with extra ventilators in case there were going to be a crisis at Thanksgiving. And then we had no cases. Good. Yeah. Well, good for the dogs. But yeah. It's a mystery still for what's causing this. But at the same time, Colorado was seeing the decline. Other states were seeing an incline. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it is now some reported, oh, this is bacterial. Others reported, oh, what was going on viral. The good news, by the way, that I don't think we've made a strong enough point. It's dissipated for now in many places around the country. But the big question is, was it viral, bacterial? Was it a novel? You're saying probably not. I mean, so what the heck was going on? Yes, and that's one of the things, before I was a veterinarian, I didn't understand how long it takes to do these outbreak investigations. So we have all these fancy tools now to find new viruses, new bacteria, but you still have to apply the new tests to populations of animals, and that's where we're at right now. We are trying to grow new viruses at Colorado State. We're trying to do that fancy polymerase chain reaction and metagenic sequencing to find every viral particle known to mankind. That's all happening right now, not just at our place. New Hampshire has reported their weird bacteria, and we have uh, people probably at every vet school thinking about. In mm-hmm. fact, I met with the Missouri people today. They're doing uh, testing there as well. And so I'm going to predict for your audience that we're going to know a lot more in a couple of months uh, what it was or what it is and whether it's something new versus just a more pathogenic year or a more pathogenic virus but we're all investigating it. everybody's familiar with it the state of colorado is partnering with us as well as the usda at our state mm-hmm. and hopefully that's happening in illinois as well yeah i like how you said investigation so it's like CSI Lapin. Oh, no, CSI Veterinary Medicine. (laughs) Okay, well, right. But that's kind of what's happening right now as all of this is trying to be worked through. Do we know what it wasn't? Do we know that it wasn't another flu? We've got two strains of dog flu, as far as I know, in the U.S., Mm -hmm. uh, that it wasn't fungal. Yeah, I would think those would be two 
easy ones that we could take off our list. At this point. Yeah, because most of the big labs that test these coughing dogs, we have a really good test for all all known influenza viruses. Doesn't seem to be a new one of those because they can recombinate and jump species and Mm -hmm. things. And then fungal... They're usually bigger organisms, and so when we're doing the washings and looking for things that you can see with the microscope, we're not finding any evidence of consistent fungal. So it's really probably one of our regular viruses. It might have shifted a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit more pathogenic this year. Uh, Or there's a novel virus still on the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, And perhaps the same statements for bacteria. You know, we have bacteria as well, and some of those bacteria can't grow, and so they actually have to be found with these nucleic acid amplification type tests. And that that's what New the, Hampshire said, correct? That's what New Hampshire has done so far. They right. did find in most of their dogs, almost all of them that were sick, they found this organism that we've known about for a number of years, but it was in a large percentage of the sick dogs. And so now their group and others are then looking to see if that organisms also in the healthy dogs Mm -hmm. so maybe oh it's just a bug we all have bugs in us right yes what's called the normal flora and so that's what we're investigating now but do you think there will be an answer i believe there will be an answer yeah thanks to people like you which is wonderful and one thing we could do in the meantime is use some common sense i suspect you can't completely protect how can you protect against what you don't even know you're protecting against but we can protect against some things and maybe that would even help with whatever is going on that you end up finding by doing vaccinations that sometimes people don't that they should yeah our biggest recommendation on the website for the state of colorado veterinary office and at colorado state university is get with your vet if you haven't had the respiratory vaccines within 12 months you're due a booster Mm -hmm. and so go on in there get those and then just common sense you still need to get your exercise you need to have a a good life this is not the ebola virus spreading and killing all dogs just avoid sick animals that's my biggest goal is don't uh, come in contact for um A second or two doesn't matter, but any length of time. If you can avoid animals that are known to be coughing and sneezing or you don't know their health status, they're probably not the best ones to share a tennis ball with today. (laughs) But if it's your buddies and you're out hiking and stuff, they're healthy dogs, your dogs are healthy, keep enjoying your dog life. Especially now because there's almost an all clear. It's getting less number of cases, but... We fight this problem every year, Steve. It's just a little bit more severe, it seems, this year. Okay. Dr. Michael Lappin, always great to talk to you. Thank you so much. I've long heard about this organization, but uh, this is the first time I've met Barb Weber. So it's great to talk to you on the radio. Barb's Precious Rescue uh, has been around now for how many years, Barb? Uh, Ten years. Helping primarily cats, correct? Yes, we're helping cats, and within a year, we'll be uh, our addition will be complete to help our uh, dogs as well. All right. So, tell me about how this all came about. I mean, not everyone has a rescue named for them, and it's, <laughs> it's deserved because you have saved a whole lot of kitty cats. Yes, we have. Actually, cats have always seemed to find me when they need assistance. So, when I moved to Palatine, uh, the home I purchased was right next to a. Uh, forest preserve, and within the first couple months, uh, about 17, 18 cats showed up at my door. What? At different, 
And it was crazy. It was um, a number of cats that lived in the forest preserve. So I started a taking care of them, and then as you take care of them, more come. And it became a point where there was, I did not have the space in my home, obviously, to take care of so many cats. So my husband was able to retire, and we made the decision to buy a piece of property in Palatine uh, that was an old farmhouse and convert that to a rescue. The village of Palatine was uh, very supportive. It were their first physical uh, rescue. They allowed us to have 50 cats. So we opened in 2014 in August with 50 openings for kitties, which filled within seven days. Um, and what happened after that was the number of calls I received and the number of times I had to say no to accept became, uh, it sort of drove me to the next level of going back to the village to see if we could increase to 100 capacity, and they agreed. So within a year, year and a half, we were at 100 and with all the support of our volunteers, we currently have 200 volunteers that help us consistently. We are 100% volunteer. The only uh, paid or compensated position is our veterinarian, which is um, uh, Dr. Krauser, who's been with us for 10 years. Uh, at that point, uh, we were honored by the Ellard family. They adopted three kitties from us, and they also offered to a substantial donation for us to expand our facility to accommodate more than the 100 cats we currently were caring for. Uh, this actually uh, was about five years ago. Mm -hmm. So we expanded from 2,500 square feet to 7,500 square feet, and we're able to uh, now care for two to 300 cats in our facility, uh, which has been um, amazing because, obviously, the voluntary support, the support of our community uh, has now led us to our next uh, decision point, which was to... Uh, be able to continue to care for cats, but our major obstacles has been uh, really access to veterinary care. So one year ago, we actually received additional funding through support as well as um, just the generosity of our community have moved forward with opening our own veterinary care center so we could care for the medical needs, surgical needs of our kitties within our building instead of trying to wait for appointments. So right now we are naming our veterinary care center the David Health Veterinary Care Center, which will be opening hopefully in April. Which wow. will service Yeah, it, it's it's amazing over ten years the fact of uh, the passion that me and my husband have with cats was uh, really we're one of uh, I gosh so many that come to our doors offering do we need towels do we need blankets do we need food. Uh, Rescue Pack Chicago has been fantastic supporting food-wise. So it's really been a community effort, really beyond just Palatine, to, to, uh, for our success. So we have completed the actual build-out of the original farm uh, space that we had to the veterinary care center. We'll have our dental space. We'll have our surgical rooms, our pre and post, our, quote, kitty maternity ward for the mom and babies. Uh, very exciting, and right now what our need is the, the equipment. We have the facility. We're, we're seeking a support for the equipment, and that's why our fundraiser, a fundraiser for April 17th, I'm sorry, <laughs> February 17th, uh, at Chandler's in uh, Schaumburg is really going to be focused on fulfilling our need for equipment and supplies so we can uh, successfully open our David Health Veterinary Care Center. Well, which is just incredible. You know, I was telling you off air, and I'll say it on the air, I would see David 
at animal welfare events around the city for other animal shelters, and he would be for years touting what you do. Barb's Precious Rescue. And he would say, have you been out there yet? Have you heard about that? Have you known about what they're doing? And and he was your, I'll tell you, your number one ambassador. So tell me about the 10th anniversary gala, which again is February 17th. It is at Chandler's Chop House and Grill in Schaumburg. Tell me about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We actually have um, uh, several uh, silent auction, live auction items. Uh, Seventh Heaven, uh, the Chicago band, has agreed to play for us. So they'll be performing for two hours later in the evening. Uh, great. Chandler's is a great environment. A lot of uh, fun, great food, and we'll have a lot of our volunteer supporters. And we have a capacity of 200. We've sold about 150 tickets, so we definitely have more space for folks to join us and celebrate. We're going to, I'll be doing a small presentation on our beginnings and where we are and where we're going. Mm-hmm. And I will be also um, reiterating the support of the David Health Veterinary Care Center. Plus, we also have a future expansion. We did purchase a piece of property next to the facility for our, a separate adoption center because that's our next hurdle. We have uh, our environment. We hold pretty much two to 300 cats within the building. It's a little bit overwhelming when folks come in to try and figure out which cats to select, who's ready to go home, who's not. So we're going to transition to a separate adoption center where the cats who are ready to go home will be able to uh, be viewed. And uh, the turnaround time for those kitties to go home would be a lot shorter because they are they would be fully vetted and ready to go. So when folks come to see them, they can take them home within a day or so. Sure. How many cats have you adopted out since you began? Uh, since we began, we've actually cared for 5,500 and we've adopted uh, a majority. So I actually, the last time I counted, it was probably like, it was 3,700 that went home. Uh, one part of our mission is that we do take care of cats that live with us forever. So we expect 20 to 30% of our cats to, um, would be family members that stay with us forever because of their complexities or special needs. Mm-hmm. So that is the whole uh, part of our mission that is uh, the gap and why the numbers are not equal. Yeah, no, you are truly no kill, I suppose, right? Uh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, literally. So, once again, it is Barb's Precious Rescue. You're in Palatine, the 10th anniversary gala, February 17th at Chandler's Chop House Grill in Schaumburg. What is your website so people can learn more about what you do and also maybe come to the benefit? Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's barbsrescue.org. And we have great volunteers who manage our website, so it's very entertaining and very informative. So definitely, uh, we have two. uh, Actually, we have our own little music video with 7-7 that's listed on there. So it's definitely take a a look. It's a a lot of fun and learn more about us. Perfect. Uh, February 17th at 5 o'clock at Chandler's Chop House. That's when the benefit is Barb's Precious Rescue. Barb, uh, you're you're a, a one man machine, you know. Except you're not a man. I don't know why I said it quite that way, but you know what I mean. And I mean it as a compliment. You are unstoppable. Uh, you've rescued so many cats, and in a place where there was no other facility to do it. Uh, so thank you very much for everything you've done. Clearly, are continuing to do as well. Well, I appreciate that, but I definitely want to acknowledge is that it's. It definitely with our volunteers. I would. It's a, it's a group effort, a community effort, and uh, the sponsorship has been amazing. So I thank everyone who has supported us throughout the years. And uh, I agree, 
Great time. Come celebrate our 10-year anniversary. Thank you. Celebrate with Barb. Thank you, Barb. Thank you. Are you ready to be shocked? The Chicago area has more coyotes per capita than any other community in the country. There are thousands of coyotes living here. I bet you never even see a coyote. And for those who do, the coyotes aren't bothering you, probably. Uh, The thing about it is that's really interesting when you see a map of where the coyotes are. It's in expected places, such as in the northwest suburbs, in forested areas, in the south in forested areas, but also along the lakefront. There are a surprising number of coyotes that make their living probably catching rats, I believe, for the greatest part in Lincoln Park, in the park itself. And and we never have interaction with these animals, yet people are so panicked by coyotes. I don't understand it. They are there. They're minding their own business. They're helping to catch rats in Chicago, which, by the way, is always a good thing. But But why are people so emotional when it comes to coyotes? I really don't know. Part of it is they're concerned. You're concerned about your dogs. I understand that. But I'm telling you, if your dog is on a six-foot leash, not one of those extender leashes that winds around the block, a six-foot leash, even if it's a smaller mid-sized dog, if you happen to see a coyote, all you do is pick up your dog and then you can scream at the coyote. Most coyotes We'll run the other way. We usually carry our voices with us. Uh, If not, a whistle or a bicycle horn or whatever you might have that is a loud, unexpected sound will scare off most coyotes. The most brazen of coyotes are coyotes that have been fed by people, not minding their own business, sneaking behind a restaurant, getting pizza. Not those coyotes, but the coyotes people actually feed. So please don't do that. And also, please, if possible, keep your cats indoors. We'll talk to you next week, bright and early on WGN.